you know a spot. But not just a spot. The spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr., a production of The Black Effect and iHeartRadio. I'm Steve Smith Sr. And I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. Cut To It. Cut To It. We ask the questions you always want to know, but no one ever asks. Let's cut to it. You ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's on. Welcome to the Cut to a Podcast, man. Um, this is a guy who, um, man, he he's done everything. He's been a Morgan Stanley investor, uh, executive vice president of the formerly Montreal Expos, Um, and you've just done everything, right? And then now you're working uh, as a baseball analyst. Just want to say welcome to the Cut Tour podcast, David Sampson. I appreciate that, but I'm only 54, so I would say I'm only on the sixth hole. So I have not done everything at all. I'm. I like that perspective. I like that. I'm just getting started. I like. I'm not gonna argue with you. Mm-mm. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, um, are you ready for this? Oh, I am ready. Mm. Give me all you got. Well, that's all you're gonna get there. All right, here we go. All right. <laughs> hey, if you won a lotto. Would you keep working in your current position or profession? Yeah, so I love what I do, and mm. I do it because I love it. So I have, uh, I've been lucky in that after law school, I started a company over in Europe delivering newspapers, mm. and I was 25 years old, and I loved every moment I was there. Even when the internet started and all of a sudden nobody would buy regular papers anymore, I said, all right, let me try something else. So I went to Wall Street. And when I was on Wall Street, I loved it. I was so proud to be at Morgan Stanley and enjoyed the work I was doing. And then I moved into baseball and I loved it. I had a great time running the Expos. And then I had a great time for 16 years with the Marlins, won a World Series and built a ballpark and helped the owners sell the team to Jeter, who just got fired. And I loved doing that. And when I left baseball, I was super excited to see what the next chapter was. And I got an agent. And then I got a job at CBS, and I have my own show called Nothing Personal with David Sampson, where I can talk hey, about hey, whatever David, I want. David, um, this is my show. Slow down. Like, this, we, this is just the icebreaker, bro. I don't, I don't, 
Like, I'm just if, we was, you, if we were speed so dating, I would be done. Like, <laughs> I'd ring that bell. Like, like, I'm good. He don't let me talk. That's hey. a world record for podcasts right, right now. We just we hit deal. on everything. <laughs> like, there you go. I, listen, I'm driving. Get your ass in the back seat, okay? And, and you ain't tall. I looked you up. So you you going, you got a little, uh, little car seat. Just buckle up, all right? We got your crustable. We get your applesauce. Just, hey, we'll get there. I'll tell you when we get there, okay? I'm all yours. All right. Pause. That was all right. Here we go. What kind of dog never bites? A full one? No, a hot dog, bro. See, we're just in the icebreaker section right there. We're just trying to loosen you up, okay? You you're you're trying to cure cancer. We're just trying to we just <laughs> I mean, I asked, would you win a lotto? He's like, no. And here's why. Man, I just I was gonna say. I would still do my job because I think I've already hit the lotto, but you didn't even give me a chance to because you went off way yonder. Yeah, teed up. Huh? Yeah, I mean it was. I got. I was like, dang, I can't ask him about uh about when he founded his company in 1993. Travels fast, but he already went into it. We was going. You was in London. Damn it! Can you can you get on the plane first? All right. When have you given up on something? When I stopped growing, I gave up on being able to dunk on a regulation hoop. I'm right That's there. A good one. That's I'm a right good there with you. I'm right. <laughs> hey, I'm right there with you. How tall are you actually? Five five. Okay. I'm five nine, three fourths. I'm five four and three quarters. Oh! <laughs> The podcast has the, just that begun. was perfect. Because you always got to round up. Yeah, you got to round up. Yeah, he did. Oh man, <laughs> he, said, he got convicted. He was like, actually, I'm it's it's quarter to eight. It's really seven forty. <laughs> he said five five <laughs> aggressively. He said five, it, five. hey, but then when I said it, he was like, damn, I'm convicted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, where are you from? In a place you call your hometown. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and New York is my home. Do tell. Why, why are you claiming New York? Well, I moved there when I was five, oh, and okay. I lived there really the entire my entire life except Florida for uh, 18 years yeah. when I was running the Marlins. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, you kind of stumped me on that one because I was really <laughs> going to say, like, how was it in Wisconsin? I've yeah. been in Wisconsin a few times. Hmm. Yeah, how's your upbringing in in Wisconsin? How's how, how was that's that? why they moved to New York. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, what you remember? Well, my upbringing in Wisconsin was fraught with parents who were fighting so much they finally got divorced, and then I moved to New York with my mom. But I went back to Wisconsin for summer camp. I went back for college. I'm a Badger, so I happen to love Wisconsin. Ooh, you you guys just got a new offense coordinator who used uh, Bobby Ingram. He's been my wide receivers coach. He's a good dude. So in New York, how was your upbringing? Lucky. All right, I need some texture on that. Oh, I just I I don't want to talk too much, so I'm I'm going now to no. One now word you can, now you can talk. Now you can go. It just, okay. it, the icebreakers, you you can't tell me your life story after the first question. I was born on third base, but knew I didn't hit a triple, and I've spent my whole life trying to make sure that I earned my way home. Wow. That's profound. 
That was. All right. I love I mean, that. The wordplay. That was like the very poetic, Tupac-esque. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to figure out what was I born on first or second. If you... <laughs> I was born at 707. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. no, this is about to be hilarious. I like David. He is spunky. <laughs> got some fire to him. You, you've caused a lot of trouble in your life, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? I've never been punched and I've never thrown a punch in my whole life because I've been able to talk my way out of every pickle I've been in. And there have been a lot of them. Really? When's the last time you've been in a pickle? <laughs> Negotiated you, your way out of ass with Yeah. <laughs> Negotiated your. Yeah. When's the last time you at the grocery store three days ago? <laughs> no, what what happened? Was it in the produce section or yeah. was it, was it? <laughs> trying to get those melons, huh? <laughs> Listen, I I'm have li- one all simple ears. rule. Yes. If you're gonna feel every goddamn avocado, <laughs> then you're gonna have to buy them all. I That's didn't know all this was I'm gonna saying. strike a nerve it, with hey, you. I had no is, idea. That, is that pre-COVID or post-COVID? What is it? What is what is this anger? <laughs> I love where your head's at. Pre-COVID for me, I've been the hand sanitizer guy. People are just catching up to me now. So I've been a hand sanity guy my entire life. I'm not a big germ guy. And I was in a job where I had to shake hands with people every day, all day. So I was doing Howie Mandel before he was. I was a major fist guy. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to these avocados. (laughs) Why? So you, I'm telling you, this dude is a firecracker. Why are you bickering with people in the produce aisle. What happened? Take a story. Because I'm trying to get, it's simple. I'm trying to get produce. I'm trying to get avocados He's and trying to make and scallions and onions. Yeah. And I'm trying to get in and out, right? I don't want to dither. I've got shit to do, right? <laughs> and so there's people touching every I bit don't. of produce. Well, hold on, no. hold on. I don't want to dither. I got shit to do. <laughs> I think on, Jeezy said David. That. Do you understand if you just grab the first one avocado, you can have an avocado that is not usable. All, and if you plan on using that tonight and it is not ripe, you're disappointed. I can choose an avocado with my eye. Oh, you one of those, huh? You can tell which ones that, are softer and which ones aren't. That is incorrect, and I disagree. Being a okay. guy who cooks, you cannot tell. Because I've got like, oh, I think that's a good one. I was like. Damn, I gotta wait a week till that yeah. one's ready. <laughs> or you get one that looks great, and you touch it, and your damn hand almost Mushy. sinks yeah. into it. So how? You know I'm not lying now. I know, but aren't you a courteous avocado picker? Do you take up the entire section of the Haas avocados, sort of covering it like Batman as you try to find the one you want, or do you stand to one side and let a little five foot five guy just? Get in a little bit on the right and choose his own avocados. Which guy are you? Actually, I'm the guy who does not want any confrontation, and I don't want you to hover over me. So I try to I try to give you the same courtesy that you're giving me, which is I don't want to talk to you, <laughs> and I don't really care what you want to talk about. I'm just in here to get my – do my – I'm just trying to make table side go up. No, no. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm just – I just – Trying to do my honey. I'm just trying to get some honey. So I got to do the honeydew list, right? I'm not interested in what you got going on. I'm not trying to invade in your privacy. I don't want your assistance. Don't ask me where something is because I don't work there. I don't have the outfit that looks like I work there. I don't. I, I don't. 
So I'm the guy that sits over to the side. I actually sometimes will put my cart over there and walk over so I could just grab what I need to grab and then bang. Because I got a list of stuff. I need to get in, get out. So, okay. So, I love that. So you got- are you a list eye on your phone or do you write it on paper? If my wife texts it, I'll have them on my phone, but I prefer paper because I can check it off. Because you know, because you know, sometimes you can't find everything at that one. You know, with with food shortages and all that. You know, I don't understand, but so you got to go to here and then go there. And, um, but I I get a lot of ADD in the um in the grocery store. Like I I'm a ooh and I guy. Like ooh, what's yeah. that? Ooh, that looks good. Yeah, definitely can't go there when you're hungry. That's for sure. Man, I didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any worse feeling than getting home thinking that you really did something good, that you took care of the entire honeydew list? And you oh, missed, they hated you realize yeah. And you, you missed the, the most important thing? Or you, or got you, the, you, got, you got the wrong thing. Like, don't get the, you're supposed to get the 10 minute quick. Oh, it's not the 30. God. <laughs> I, I've got, bro, I've got. That's why I'll just FaceTime. Like, listen, is this the one that you want? <laughs> or you know, it's, I'm making sure. Here, here's the worst. It's like when there's like one little word that's off. Yeah. Or they say a particular brand, mm-hmm. and you're like, they don't have that brand. And now you got to pivot, and you got to figure, you got to make an executive decision. But then you know the executive decision, you mess up. That's why. I, I, then they, then you're gonna get mad. Then they, you get mad at them. Like I don't have to go. I got the number one. I came home one day thinking I was doing something so nice buying some Starbucks Pike's Place coffee from the grocery store. And so I see it and there's not a lot of supply. So I buy like the remaining four packages that are about (laughs) the the eight inches high packages, come back and show them. And then I'm totally summarily dismissed. Not like a huge thank you and like, hey, do you want to go upstairs or something? It's like, (laughs) do you realize that that's decaffeinated? I knew it. I told you. You got the decaf. And I said, where does it say that? I don't see that. And she's like, it's right there, you idiot. Well, so maybe, that went to Goodwill. Well, may, maybe. Yeah, you didn't clap nothing that night. I oh, he was clapping. Yes, not I did. I oh, at the time. My man. What did you say? I said, yes, I did. I was just alone at the time. <laughs> I didn't catch that last part. <laughs> hey, here's why he missed the decaf, because it was probably on the top shelf, and he just oh, grabbed shit. it. <laughs> Cut to it unplugged. Would you stay up all night thinking of short jokes? Nah, shit, I'm short too, so I know. <laughs> it's I'm a just communal speak- space. Hey, I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> How did we get here? Hey, there's a few. T- hey, there's a few times I've been. Uh, I look around. I'm like, yeah, ain't nobody catching me trying to jump up for this shit. <laughs> I saw Steve Smith in, in public trying to get on the porch. <laughs> it's a boomerang, boss. Yeah. Hey, you ain't catching me slipping. I'll be like, my hey, yo. My favorite three words in the grocery store are "excuse me, sir," <laughs> as I try to ask them to reach for something that I can't reach. <laughs> This is funny. <laughs> hey, dog, I've been right there. Yeah. Hey, my man, I need your help, dog. He's like, what do you need? I said, man, I'm, I'm there. <laughs> and a few times, it's kind of like, you know, a few times, I, you think they think they're going to say something, and then they know it's me, and they're like, yeah, yeah I'm not rolling this <laughs> dice. But I, I know I'm short. I'm okay with it. Yeah. doesn't bother me. But you ain't going to catch me trying to jump up there for that shit. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't got time for that. Shoot. Got me but in your shit. own home, do you do that? 
Oh, absolutely. So me you get too. Step stool. in my home, I'll <laughs> no, I have, I actually to get something off the I actually do have a step stool in my closet yeah. because I have my shoes up top. But sometimes when I'm feeling good, I'll spring up there. <laughs> Bang! See if you still got them. But here's the one time I did I did I did it the other day. I springed up there and got one, the top box, mm. and the other ones came, hit me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's what I need to use the damn stool. <laughs> I've had that exact thing happen to me. Or what's worse is you jump up, one of them comes down, but by accident you push one of them further back <laughs> into the shelf that's too high. Yeah, you've you had just, that. Yep. I have step stools in every closet, in upstairs, downstairs, <laughs> everywhere. But sometimes it's just a game because I'm too lazy to get the step stool. So I jump up to get something, and then I end up getting the step stool. See, these are the intangibles that I'm sure you had running MLB franchise right here. This is where it came to play. <laughs> Man. You should have seen me talking to Giancarlo Stanton. We had some fun times, the two of us. Man, listen, I just let's just go right into your crazy career. Like, you know, you said in 1993, first company delivered a New York Times, Barry, and also Wall Street Journal um, to Europe on the same day basis. What? Why is what is so unique about that? Because of people today, you know, kids today, people today, technology is. It's, it's just, it's there. So that doesn't sound like anything unique. Can I have those three tabs open in 25 seconds? You now. ain't lying. I, I mean, you can, you, you can have it on, um, you know, you can get Wall Street Journal for free, you know, for, for, for a week or 30 days and cancel it before they charge you. So, you know, <laughs> not that, not that I've done that several times. Yeah, I'm not paying day. that dollar. <laughs> Man, you are the target market. Yes, I know a million other people who cancel stuff, like the old Columbia House, when you'd get a few CDs and then cancel it. Absolutely, after one get month, ten for one ninety nine. Yep, yep. I remember. And then I, if you try to still get me, I cancel my debit card and get a new one. So I, I know all the tricks of the trade. Lost that one. <laughs> you can charge that new credit. You can charge that old credit card if you want to. I'll get a new one. I'm talking. I want a whole new number, number, month, year. Yeah. Uh-uh. I want no crossover. Do you remember when Netflix first started? And it was uh, you got you put movies in your queue, mm-hmm. and they would send you DVDs. Yeah. Five of them at a time. Get a new one, right? Yep. But you could get a new one only when you returned yep. one that you watched. And sometimes you'd move stuff up the queue because yep. you really wanted to see that, but you had to return something. People, it's just foreign. So thirty years ago. I hate to say it to the audience, but I do this on Nothing Personal all the time. It's 30 years ago. The only way to get sports scores in Europe was something called the International Herald Tribune, hmm. which was a newspaper that was owned by both the Washington Post and the New York Times. And the sports part of that paper gave you scores of games that were a day old. Wow. And so if you wanted scores of your favorite team, Tech- you were only getting them a day late. A day late from the States or a day late from Europe? Because technically, that would be two days late. Oh, I love where your head's at. So Sunday night scores would be in the Tuesday Herald Tribune. So that'd be, I am correct, two days late. So in 97, you, you did Morgan Stanley. However, in that four-year span, what, what did you learn and how did the business go? And why, you know, did you sell it? Did it just disappear? Like, tell me, tell me about it. Like, you, you start sell company like that. And then what? So... What I did is I I went to a different city, just say Paris or London or Geneva or Brussels, Mm. and I would go and try to find Americans who were living there, like go to Chambers of Commerce, and I would go to all the hotels, and I would deliver papers and have them sold to their customers. 
And I even did home delivery to expats who were living overseas. But think about the business. All my inventory was either sold or thrown away every week. Because when you're doing the Sunday Times, when, once the papers are delivered, you're on to the next newspaper. And when I started doing daily deliveries, I never had excess inventory because you buy the papers that you know you're going to sell, and then you're done. And what happened is in that period, the internet really got going, and I summarily dismissed it because I made so much money from people who loved getting the New York Times ink on their fingers when they were reading the paper. And I said, no one's going to read the newspaper on a screen. It's just not going to happen. And I was in Asia starting to deliver papers there, and I flew on a plane. Talk about being gregarious. I flew on a plane and started talking with the guy who worked at Morgan Stanley. And I told him what I was doing. And I was, you know, 28 years old. And he said, listen, if you ever want to come to Wall Street, just call me. Mm. So when I saw that this business was going to end, literally going to disappear, I gave him a call and he hired me. So and I was the only non-NBA to work on that side of Morgan Stanley. And I had a great, great time. I love Cut To It. And I, I love it even more when you download us and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media too, Smitty. Where where at? That's at Cut To It on Instagram. What about Twitter? At Cut To It. Facebook? Cut To It featuring Steve Smith Sr. What about online? And you can follow us at CutToItPodcast.com where you can buy merch and you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. I got all my answers. Question, um, I got all my questions answered. That's what I'm here for, brother. Cut to it, podcast.com. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What led you to hop on an airplane to go to Asia when you were doing so well in in Brussels and London, all those all those different places that were transient through um the through the Euro um train and through through the different avenues. It's kinda like living in the South where, you know, live we live here in Charlotte and you go you know, growing up in LA, I go five hours. I've been twenty miles outside, you know, with traffic, I've been twenty miles outside my house. But here in Charlotte, you go, you know, <clears throat> you go two or three hours. You're depending on which route you go to South Carolina, you can hit Virginia, you can hit Tennessee, you can hit Atlanta. I mean, Georgia. So there's so many different places. What what led you to jump on a plane to go to Asia when you had so many different people? You still had Italy, um, all these different places. W w why Asia? Uh, because someone approached me 
and said, can you help with home delivery of newspapers in Asia? You seem to know how to get this done. Mm. And so I was hired to go there and build up a company in Asia. Mm. So did you eventually sell your company or just it went away? No, I, it just disappeared. Wow. So when you stop, think about it. I was, I, was, I was by myself and I had newspapers that I would buy from the New York Times and then have them delivered to Kennedy, put on a cargo plane and fly to Europe. And then from Paris, they'd fly all over the country and the world. And one day I stopped putting the papers on the plane. So it's crazy the way that technology has advanced, oh, right? No. Like you were oh. physically delivering the so, news. So you were in so you were in London. Okay. I'm a visual guy. So you were in London. You had a contact in New York. Yes. It's a, it's a great story, which we may or may not have time for. But yes, I had a contact with the New York Times circulation department that got the papers delivered from on Saturday nights from the printing press right to Kennedy Airport. And then Kennedy Airport, I mean, they're pieces of paper. They How did they get on the plane? Uh, they were put in pallets. And okay. they were put on Air France Flight 009, which left at 9.50 p.m. Saturday night and landed at 8.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And then they get picked up by a newspaper delivery truck mm -hmm. and delivered to hotels and mm -hmm. houses and apartments in Paris. Got you. Okay, okay. And some of the papers would connect to other cities because Air France would fly from Paris as their hub, yep. like FedEx uses Memphis, to all the other different places in Europe. And so obviously with, with Paris, you, you had some people in... Um, in some of the French, some of the uh, French colonies as well, um, wanting that paper as well. So in uh, what was that uh, Paris? So um, Lagos, you know, different different African nations that were uh, uh, French colonies as well. So I never expanded to Africa. Oh, okay, uh, but but I did I did Europe and Asia only. Mm. What I did, I expanded and I went from the Sunday Times, then I started doing the Daily Times. And you have to think about it, wow. when you're an American living abroad and you can wake up in the morning, or in some places it didn't get there till the afternoon, but even if you come back for your siesta and there's today's New York Times at your door, yep. you have to realize that was pretty cool for people yeah. because they couldn't just go open a page on, your, on the internet. Yeah, and yeah it. it wasn't there. Siesta was big time out there. You're talking about two and a half hours and nobody doing nothing. Yeah. Don't have an emergency siesta. You're in trouble. And here we are in 2022, and you're about to read the news in the metaverse. That's how <laughs> fast things have changed. It's amazing. It makes me think about what will be 30 years from now. Because mm -hmm. they'll look at this the way we look at 30 years ago yeah. is how they'll look at us in 30 years. Yeah. Bringing it up on a website is about to be obsolete. Really? Yeah. I'm, I'm just getting the hang of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know I am. I'm yeah. so. But it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Think about it. he's talking about just delivering papers. Yeah. And his company went away. Kaput. Because technology advances. Yeah. So you go to Morgan Stanley. Um, what year? I mean, I mean, I know year. 1997. What month? Mm -hmm. What month? Yes. Are you asking me something 25 years ago? Um, I I'm trying. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I did. I, I don't I, know. I, okay. I just say that, that question. Then. I, I've never I'm, been asked that question. Well, I don't know. I, I'm pretty, I am a detailed interviewer. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to know. Well, so cool. I was. I wore a black pinstripe suit to my first day with a, uh, a white shirt and a red tie. 
Mm. And I wore that because I thought that that would be like the proper Wall Street thing. And it had like elephants on it Ooh. because I wanted them to know that I'd be going after elephants and trying to make a ton of money See? for myself and for everyone else. I'm not sure that that detail was uh, appreciated at the time, but it ended <laughs> up being like the movie Wall um, Wolf of Wall Street. Except I never met Margot Robbie, and I never did coke. Other than that, it was exactly like that. I'm glad you said all that, because I was like... That's the first thing I thought about when we were Wall Street. Oh, so, so here's, here's another textual thing you probably don't... What kind of shoes did you have? Uh, Ferragamos. Nice, flex. Yeah. The ones with the buckles on the top. Yeah. How old were they, though? Great question. I love where your head's at. Uh, they were brand new. Exactly. And the reason I know that is I didn't realize that you should scuff shoes before wearing oh, them. You on were the slipping bottom. and sliding all over. Hell the place. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little ass chicken running around the office, <laughs> slipping. <laughs> hey, like this, look how he's dressing. He got some damn new shoes on. Oh my he God. Slipped the home plate. Yeah. He was right into the frame. <laughs> And he's still out. Until you make it, baby. Hey, that, I know that's right. That's why I asked. Because you seem like the dude, you're going to go all out. He's like, look, I may not know what I'm doing on the first day, but damn it, I'm going to look like, like it. it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So 1997, I'm fresh. Uh, I'm fresh heading into my senior year or coming out of my senior year, heading to community college. And you over there investing people's money. Yes. Okay. <laughs> What was the biggest challenge at Morgan Stanley for you? It was navigating around the compliance department because I had clients who wanted to do aggressive trades and we were doing collateral swaps and all sorts of ways to diversify because yep. at that time people were getting concentrated equity positions meaning they were selling their company and getting a huge amount of stock in the company that acquired them yep. and they'd be rich but only with one stock and i would say hey and the way i got clients is by reading the paper ironically and you read about deals that are happening and you cold call i would make over a hundred calls a day you were Hi, david sampson with morgan stanley oh because that's the best way i'm a numbers guy I need to get 98 no's, and that's why I never got offended. The reason I was more successful than most people is when they would get no's, they'd be despondent, mm. and they'd spend forever trying to convince the no's to be a yes. And my greatest skill is that I was able to say to the person who said no to me, thank you, you're giving me now more time to move on to the next call, <laughs> and I'm one call closer to a yes. So <laughs> it just got you out. <laughs> You just told him no. They said no, and he was like, you know what? You got to play your strengths. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. So, oh, speaking of play your strengths, so how do you then transition from Morgan Stanley to walking into the Montreal, the Montreal Expo's front office um, in such a high-ranking position? How, what Wait, was that transition? Zero. Yeah, like a brother like me, I had to go into, I had to work for an uh, NBA franchise, but I got to go in as an unpaid intern. Yeah, He's going in at C-suite. Yeah. How is that possible? Well, that, that's I mean, the he part about everything. being he born got a on key, third. He got a key fob. He got a, he got a, whoa. Being think? born on third, explain that. Okay, I will. So in 1999, uh, in maybe if you're going to ask, I'm going to say it was uh, January of 99, Jeffrey Loria, who at that time was married to my mother, so he was my stepfather. <laughs> he called me at Morgan Stanley, and he said, I want to buy the Montreal Expos. 
can you help me do it? And I said to him, Hell yeah. I'd be I'd be happy to help you. Here's my rate. This is what I make Damn. per day. And this is what you'll have to pay me can, because can there's only that... X number of hours in the day. And if you're taking me away from my job at Morgan Stanley, you have to replace that income for me. Can I ask so we what made that a rate deal. was? You could, yes. And so I <laughs> said to him, you'd have to pay the rate. And he did. What was the and rate? And so I worked. And so it was that. I, you nailed it. It was it was under the minimum that Major League Baseball players get in the new collective bargaining agreement. Daily. Damn. So, no, I would keep, do you know what I would do at Morgan Stanley? This is sort of funny, actually. I had a piece of paper. I would keep track of the amount of money I was making, two columns. And one column was the amount of money I was making, and the other column was the amount of money my clients were making. Because I always knew that for me to make money, it was important, not every time, but the majority of the time, the clients had to make money. I could still make that, money that, with clients losing money, See, but you're not going to keep clients for long that way. You Sure not. Mm -mm. So I would keep track. So at the end of every day, I would know exactly how much money I made that particular day. So that was, a, I, you had a lot going on to, to manage your clients. So you could not be able to do all of that. Keep on it daily and help your stepfather acquire a professional a professional baseball team. That's exactly why I needed to get paid. You're exactly right. I hear you. You didn't give him no discount, huh? The opposite. I charged a premium. Absolutely. Because I knew he wanted it badly, and I knew he couldn't do it without me Damn. because he trusted me to be helpful to him. And so I, I was taught by my grandfather that you're worth what you're paid. That's true. Hmm. So I, I did the deal, and on December 9th, 1999, the deal closed, and he had asked me uh, through my mother with some nice Jewish guilt to help him run the team for 30 days after he bought it. And I agreed to do that, and we cut a deal for a month of work. And That, must my be, that was a higher premium. Yes, because that was now a full-time job. Oh, I'm, for and, 30 days. And, uh, I got fired the first day. Dang, it's Craig. a story I've not really told before. You got fired by your stepfather? the first day, yes. Was it so still on December, 9th, on December 9th, 1999, the deal was announced in Montreal. And I gave an interview because I speak French. And in Montreal, il parle français. Yeah. So I gave an interview my first time ever having an IFB, which is the thing you put in your ear. I, I I'm did. saying that for your listeners, oh, okay. not you. Of course, you know that. Um, I'm trying to pretend that listeners don't know what that is, right? I, and I love it. You know, two percent speaking of, French. Two percent of all our viewers are visually impaired, whether it be visually by their eyes or they may be doing something else and not watching it. So I, I love that. My 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 coach always tells me, explain the why, give detail. So I love it. I agree with you. That is great. That's why your show is so successful, actually. I appreciate it. So that. I did the interview My in French. Sweating. And uh, <laughs> he did not like that I was doing media. And he called me when I was back in my hotel. Uh -huh. And he had already flown back to New York. And I was in a hotel in Montreal ready to go to work the next morning. I bet you and he was. said to me, you know, I don't think this is going to work <laughs> because I need to be the public face of this franchise, not you. And I can't have you doing any interviews or anything like that. And I said, Jeffrey, there's no way to run the team or to be the president of this team 
without being the public face because I'm the one who's going to be here every day, not you. And he said, I think you should pack your bags. It's not going to work out. And I said, no problem. Hung up the phone. So I'm packing my bags. I get a phone call hold on, hold on, a couple hold on. hours later. Hold on. Go ahead. How are you packing your bags? Because I'm, cons- I'm seeing a David Samson right now. He's packing pissed. No. No? Here's why. Because, A, I had no idea that I have an 18-year career in front of me. Mm-hmm. I, had no, I, I had no idea of anything other than I loved Morgan Stanley. It was actually a couple hours later my mother called me and said, you can't leave. I said, he fired me. I'm leaving. She said, you got to just spend the night and see what happens in the morning because he's really he needs you to run the team. And I said, well, I'm doing it for 30 days. They, you better find someone else. And sure enough, the next morning I, did, I stayed. I got a call, and he apologized. He said, go into the office. And I went into the office as a 31-year-old sort of president of a team, and it was such eyewash in the beginning. I look back on that with such regret hmm. that I tried to prove from the, the minute I got there, not through my action but through my words, that I belonged there. And it was stupid of me. So I was calling meetings for 6.30 a.m. every day with all the executives. And I was working 20-hour days and trying to show them that even though I was the stepson of the owner, that I was going to outwork everybody and that I deserved to be there, that it wasn't nepotism. And it took me a while to realize that being good at my job was going to be the ultimate way to prove to people that I belong there. That other than there's no other way. There's no shortcut. And I knew that in my regular life, but it took me a minute to get there running a team. But I got there and it kept me there for, I ran a team for 18 years and five years in, four years in, he and my mother got divorced. And so for the last 14 years of my career, he was just the owner of the team that I worked for. And the big difference from him being my stepfather to him not being my stepfather is that we each lawyered up during contract negotiations. That's a lot to unpack. That is a lot to unpack. There were certain times during my career when I said to him, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave. And there were certain times when he said, if you don't accept what I'm doing, I'm going to have you leave. Mm. Because I had some issues with some of his managers Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we hired and fired, I think, 79 managers in 18 years. And uh, he just, uh, whenever there was a loss, basically, he was the type of owner, which is really like every owner, where when there's a loss on the field, there is someone to blame, mm. period. There's got to be someone to blame. And, and that's really not accurate. Sometimes you just lose to a better team. Sometimes you just lose because that's how sports goes. And he, owners have a hard time getting into that rhythm. And that is one of the big problems with impestuous owners, right? They make decisions with emotion and they expect to win every game. And then you don't stick to your plan and then you lose more. So that was part of the biggest issue I had. Good do it. Good do it. Let's get down to it. Hey, Gerard, where did you get that T-shirt? You mean this thing? Oh, yes. I got it from CutToItPodcast.com, where we have exclusive merchandise. Shout out to our guys at 704 Shop. But yeah, you can go on, buy you a T-shirt, subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there... Keep going, because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure.
Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. How do you compare corporate sports compared to corporate America? How does it vary? So the, the public side is the biggest difference. So I I do my job, whether it was at Morgan Stanley or News Travels Fast, and I didn't have people criticize me. I didn't have everybody in the world thinking they could do the job better than I could. I didn't have to deal with the media. I didn't have to deal with people thinking it was a public company when it was a private company. And I think that often people forget that, that sports teams are private. And it's not your right as a fan Mm. to know everything Mm. because you're a fan. And that's tough to say to people sometimes because they assume that it is their right. And you're seeing a lot of that now mm-hmm. uh, with, with people upset with payrolls for various teams, people thinking that billionaire owners are not losing money, they're making money. And there's a big disconnect between what owners think that you should know and what you think you should know. What is a fan? A customer. Oh, no, that's a great point. <laughs> what is a fan legally, right? Let's just legally, legally obligated because fans really believe that they deserve an explanation on why the team didn't get that final out, didn't get that first down. Why haven't they publicly spoken and told their customer what the plan is? I couldn't agree with you more. And it was the cause of great consternation in my dealings with the media. And ironic now that I'm on the media side. So it, it's funny that way. But I, I really understood what the purpose of PR was. And I would fight with my PR people often because they wanted more information out there than I wanted out there. And I would spin information the way I wanted to spin it because I was trying to manipulate the customers into them believing what I wanted them to believe. Which is? And so I would o- like, it depends what the situation was. Give us a situation because I just I find this intriguing, right? And and here's why. Here in Carolina, <clears throat> we had an owner who, you know, sold the team. There was some success. He brought the team, he brought the franchise just like he brought the franchise here. They loved him. He actually, him and his son Mark created the PSL format. They created the format of what Every organization now has PSL, right? Mark Richardson created that, him and his, him and his team. And then <clears throat> had to convince the league. And the league was like, if, hey, if you can make it work, sure. And everybody's been doing it. So you have that. So you have an owner who brought something. And then now a new owner where the previous owner didn't talk to the media either. Right. He didn't feel that he had to he he deserved to explain why his team sucked. I mean, it was very it's very clear if you watch any football, you know, I was on that one and fifteen team. It was very clear why we sucked. We sucked, right? We weren't very good. We had some clear deficiencies. Didn't have a franchise quarterback. Offensive line wasn't very good. Our defense was pretty good, but it was aging, right? 
We had some young talent, but you know, our 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 starting running back, uh Tim Biakwatuka, who was fantastic in college, was pretty good in the pros, sustained some some injuries. And they felt that the owner should tell them what they obviously already see for the for the for the two and a half hours in the stadium or on television, right? And so they want they feel like they should they deserve an explanation. Again, what's the customer legally? What should they legally get, right? Because they do believe that they have every right to know everything. Yeah, legally, when you buy a ticket, you are promised to get entrance into a facility if you follow the rules of that facility, if you wear what they tell you to wear, if you don't say what they tell you not to say. It is a private area where you are gaining access by paying money to gain access to that area. But but the area reserves the right to eliminate you any second they want. Oh, that's what's and on the back of the ticket. All of that, he, huh? It's all the back of the ticket, man. Those lawyers are paid for a reason. And so legally, the back of my ticket next time too. nothing. That's the bottom line. You're not guaranteed victories. Don't be ridiculous. Can you imagine if we guaranteed fans, hey, we're going to win 90 games this year. And if not, we'll give you your money I back. Like, you're going to refund some money. Mattress Mac? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> After doing all that, what's, what was next? What did you do? Well, I ended up after, you're saying after my career? No, no, no. Just, you, you know, you got through, obviously, the unfortunate divorce with your, with your folks. You're mm -hmm. working there. Uh, you're showing people that you're the hardest worker, uh, burning people on both ends of the, uh, of the candle, right? And just sitting there, uh, you're in corporate America. You tell, you're telling the fans what they don't want to hear. You're trying to manipulate them, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, what do you do next? I mean, that, and that's in the first, you know, that's in the first eight, five years. Right. Yeah, that was. And we won a World Series in those first four years. We won it in 2003. And then I spent the rest of my career chasing Amy because it felt so good. All I ever wanted was to win one ring. And after I won one ring, all I ever wanted was to win two. And I will never forget the feeling after winning. And I was struck by how quickly I wanted to win again. Wow. And I thought when you climb the mountain and you get to the summit that I would stand there and take pictures and I would revel in the accomplishment, what I was doing was looking forward to the next summit already. Mm. And that was a terrible moment for me, actually. In Oct on October 25th of 03, after we beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, I walked onto the field after uh, we had celebrated in the clubhouse and the stadium was empty. ESPN was doing its post game in left field uh, bleachers. And I looked around and I said, I just want this feeling again. It was like an addiction. And it wow. made me so angry that I didn't allow myself to enjoy it. So during the World Series parade, I missed half the parade negotiating to get a new ballpark in Miami. Instead of telling the public officials, I'm busy, we'll meet tomorrow and enjoying a parade, I said, no, I'm going to still be the hardest worker. Mm. I'm not going to take a minute to enjoy this. And I worked through the World Series parade in Fort Lauderdale. And Terrible. So, and you, you worked through to get a new stadium. Why? Yes. Uh, to make more money. Mm. Because when we started in Florida, we were playing where the Dolphins play. Yep. You should know, right? You yeah. played on the dirt. That's that terrible. was me. Yeah, that was, that was terrible. It's terrible. It is. And we hated it. We hated it as much as you did. Mm. We hated it because the, after every football game, the field was torn up by the cleats. Yep. 
and and you guys didn't want to be tackled on the dirt. Nope. I mean, the whole thing was bad. It, you and get tackled on the money. dirt. It, I mean, it was uh, you got tackled on the dirt. It would, you know, guys were getting infections and all that kind of stuff. It was bad. So Wayne Heisinga, who owned the Dolphins, told us we needed to get out of there. He wouldn't lease us the, the ballpark anymore, the stadium. Then he sold the team to Stephen Ross, the current owner of the Dolphins, who said, get out of here. Mm. And so we went to the public and said, listen, if you don't help us finance a new stadium, the team's going to leave. Mm. We'll go to Texas or uh, we'll go to San Antonio or yep. Vegas or Portland. Mm. We're going somewhere, but we're not staying here. And we ended up negotiating a public deal. Not as good as the one the Buffalo Bills just got, but not bad. And uh, we then started construction of Marlins Park, which opened in 2012. So you get that. They switch teams. What happens? You help, you help negotiate all of this stuff. And then what? So in 2016, we really thought that we had a team that could win. And uh, we had a great outfield with Giancarlo Stanton and Christian Yelich and mm -hmm. Marcelo Zuna. And we had a great young pitcher named Jose Fernandez, who unfortunately died in a tragic boating accident no. on September 25th of 2016. And not long after that, the owner, Jeffrey, walked into my office and said, I don't want to do this anymore. Sell the team. Mm. And I said, okay. And so I then, for the next year, uh, worked on drumming up bids from Derek Jeter and A-Rod and Tag Romney and anyone else I could find to get someone to completely overpay for the Marlins, which Derek <laughs> Jeter did by like $500 million. Wow. Uh, it closed, which was hard to believe. I was like uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who played Mark Zuckerberg in the movie um, The Social Network. Yes. Did you ever see that movie? No. So at the end of the movie, <laughs> all he, did any of you see that movie? None I've of seen, you? I've seen part of it. It's the one about Facebook. It's the one about Facebook. Anyway, the end of the movie is hitting refresh because he wants to get a girl to to be his friend on Facebook. So he's hitting refresh trying to see if she accepted his friend request. That was me in October 1st of 2017 hitting refresh to see if the money got transferred into the bank account from the sale because the minute it hit, I walked out of the stadium. Derek Jeter walked past me. He walked in because he was taking my office and I never turned back. Wow. Mm. So you knew as soon as that happened, you were out. Oh, it was clear that uh, I was going to be let go. Although I was let go semi-famously through a text alert is how I found out. I got an ESPN text alert on my phone that, uh, that I was fired as the president of the Miami Marlins. So I called up Jeter and I said, hey, am I fired? And he said, oh, yeah, I, I meant to call you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, all right, no worries, man. Thank you. See ya. Bye. Wow. So that. He didn't even he, ask for your key fob. Hey, he was hogging all the damn avocados, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, hey, I know you got to go. Listen, we got to have you back on here, boy. You, you, look, he's spunky. I like this. I like it. I can talk to you. Jersey says sparky. I know. Sparky or spunky? It's Sparky. It looks like it's Sparky. Sparky is the nickname given to me by Jack McKeon, our manager, because he said I was the spark plug of the organization. Ooh. Because this is me. This is what I'm like. I have high energy, and I have a lot of fun. I work really hard. I party really hard. And uh, life is short, so uh, don't waste it. What people sometimes look at me, and the biggest mistake they make is they think that I've always been successful. Mm. And I explain to them, and I tell them in very great detail all the times I failed. 
No. And I have failed so much. And it sounds trite, but my failures are the greatest things that ever happened to me. Listen, absolutely. Because I, I, I was able to always get off the mat. And, and, and the reason I did is because I always had something to prove. Yep. Maybe it's being short and being cut by my freshman basketball coach. Maybe it's not getting the job I wanted out of law school. Maybe it's not accomplishing things I wanted to accomplish both off and on the field. But I've always wanted more. Mm. And there's a reward for wanting more, but only if you work to get it. Favorite failure. You mentioned all the failures you have. What's your favorite one? The most important one is when I got rejected by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Mm. That's all what I wanted to do out of law school. And I made it through three rounds of interviews. I was a surefire to get the job. I'd interned there. It was a slam dunk. And I never really had major adversity because I would work to get what I'd want and then I'd get it. And I thought I'd get the job. And when I got the, back then it was an envelope, a letter. And the letter said, we are sorry to say that you have been eliminated from consideration to be an assistant district attorney in the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. And it stunned me, absolutely stunned me in my tracks. And I reveled in the failure for a week. And then I started the business in Europe. Who, who, got, a, who got the job? You know who got the job. They, they, that's the joke of it, right? They hire 50 assistant district attorneys. And my best friend from law school got a job there and I didn't. And it never occurred to me that he would succeed and I would fail. That's powerful. We're going to have to bring it back, bro. All right? We'll let you go. Appreciate I'll, it. I'd love to. Hey, right. thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thanks, David. You are a unique person. You are well worth it. You are competent. And most of all, you're lovable. I'm Steve Smith Sr. I'm Gerard Littlejohn. And this is Cut To It. <laughs> Cut To It with Steve Smith Sr. That is me is a production of Cut To It LLC, Balto Creative Media, The Black Effect, and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From Cut To It, executive producer Steve Smith Sr., co-host Gerard Littlejohn, talent and booking manager Joe Fushi, social media team. Wesley Robinson and John Show from Balto Creative Media. Cut to it is produced by Brian Baltashevich and Meredith Carter, with production assistance by Alex Lebrecht, production coordinator Taylor Robinson. Theme music by Alex Johnson, lyrics and vocals by Anthony Hamilton. If you ain't heard about it, then we're about to let you know. It's all. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. 
Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.